Welcome back, guys. Snarf Tech Podcast, Episode 8. One of your hosts, Mel Weezy, and that over there is Tech Dre. Tech Dre, what's going on, man? What's good? What is happening, man? The world of tech. Let's lead off with the headlines. Let's talk about your boy, Elon Muskrat. Recently, he hired a hacker named George Hotz to fix the Twitter search in just 12 weeks. And uh, the little background on George Hotz, if you guys don't know who he is, he was famous for breaking the iPhone, iPhone jailbreaker back in the day. Uh, but when he was 17, he became the first person to remove a SIM lock on an iPhone. After that, he reverse engineered the PS3 and found the AI startup, comma.ai, to work on vehicle automation technology based on machine learning algorithms. Fixing Twitter search may be the hardest problems he's faced yet, though. Hots confirmed he has started an internship at Twitter on November 19th and now has 12 weeks to sort out the search functionality. He's going to try to his hardest, but admits he might just be happy to remove the login pop-up that appears if you scroll Twitter without being logged in, which I think is pretty cool, Tech Dre. I don't like the fact that I can't uh, just get on Twitter and read tweets without having a hard, you know, without having a login, which I think is kind of cool. If you don't have one, you can still do it. And he's only working as an internship for Twitter. And basically, it's 12 weeks in return for the cost of living in San Francisco. And Musk liked his attitude so much in his offer, we're going to see how successful he is before the end of February next year. I don't know, man, but like the Joker said. What do you think about that, man? The fact he's basically (laughs) doing this for the price of an apartment in San Francisco. The richest guy, one of the richest men in the world. I mean, he kind of is doing it for free. But um, here's the thing. If, if people don't remember, uh, this dude was basically sued into basically never owning a PlayStation again. Yeah, because he reverse engineered the... Uh, he reverse engineered it. Sony sued him. And basically, as part of his agreement, he had to agree to never own a PlayStation product again after that. But... um you know, so you don't guy, think he'll be lined up to get a PSVR two next year? I guess <laughs> I doubt it. So, anyways, but after this happened, you kind of didn't hear about him no more. You know, years have went on, and this guy. I mean, I, I guess obviously he's still you know working and and trying to um, you know working in the industry of probably with coding and jailbreak and stuff. But like I said, you haven't heard about this guy in a number of years, um, but. Obviously, the things he did in the past took hours upon hours and a relentless attitude to um, basically sim unlock the original iPhone to basically reverse engineer the PS3. So basically, he's saying, hey, I have the ability, I have the determination and drive to figure out the problems of Twitter, and I'm not asking for very much to do so. So, um, it, it, here's the thing with Elon Musk, as rich as he is, what has he got to lose by putting up a guy for 12 weeks to see if his expertise can pay off? Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's doing it for free, basically a room and board. I mean, it's pretty interesting. But, Maybe but he's trying to honest. get some notoriety because if he can That's, fix Twitter, oh, the search functionality, not, not Twitter as a whole, but just the search functionality that's a pretty big deal, Tech Drake. Because Twitter is used that's by kinda, hundreds that's, of millions of people. That's kind of where I was going to go with this. It's almost like a extended job interview of sorts. He's going to come well, in. And it's prove like a his challenge worth. for him, right? He's a pretty he's smart gonna, guy. He's going to come in and prove his worth. And after twelve weeks, if he uh, becomes indispensable, then he's hoping probably Elon Musk will pay him a lot of money to stay on or basically thrust him into the spotlight with other companies to want him to come in and fix problems that they have. Right. I agree. I agree. And guess where he could probably get a job at tech, Dre? While everybody's laying off the artist phone, formerly known as Facebook meta and Twitter slashing jobs and rehiring people, firing and rehiring. I was just a, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, it was just announced that HP uh, is getting ready to lay off about 6,000 people. Yeah, it's it's pretty much across the industry. And Amazon's laying off a lot of people, too. I guess you can consider them to be part of the tech industry also. Uh, but TikTok, in their Mountain View office in California, in Silicon Valley, 
they're going to be hiring nearly 1,000 engineers at their Mount, Mountain View office. A familiar uh, person familiar with the matter confirmed to CNN, uh, which is interesting because everybody else is laying off and they are trying to hire right now. Tech grades that that kind of speak to the relevance of where TikTok is in relation to other social media platforms because TikTok is so widely popular now and it's so, kind of bypassed Twitter and Facebook and some of the other ones. So the, a couple of things. Number one, TikTok is not slowing down. They're not um, causing the the issues or ruckus that Twitter is Elon Musk taking over. Um, they're not deeply um, entrenched in the VR like Facebook and failing. They're basically saying, hey, we're a one-trick pony. We do these short videos. They go viral. They're popular. People love watching these short videos. We're going to keep doing it. But I'm going to tell you what, it is a good time also for them to hire because if you think about it, if Facebook is laying off some of their top talent engineers and so is Twitter, then guess what? It's a good time to pick up good talent because normally that talent wouldn't be available. But since all these companies, these tech companies are laying off, then the market for finding good talent is really good right now. So I guess it's time to take my talents to Mountain View. Yeah. I mean, think about it. A lot, <laughs> of, South people, <laughs> a lot of these people voluntarily quit Twitter. And um, right. these are these are software engineers who are probably um, now looking for a job. And what do you know? TikTok is hiring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just thought it was something interesting we could kind of mention in passing. But the, the fact that the trend in, in tech right now is layoffs and TikTok is going the other direction is it's interesting to me. It's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on to see where that goes. I did want to mention this tech, Dre. I saw this the other day and it blew my mind that these car companies are now charging these annual uh, fees or they're putting services or features behind a paywall uh, for an annual amount. Like Mercedes, it's Mercedes vehicles right now, their EQ, EQE and the EQS models uh, they're basically charging $1,200 annually uh, to have acceleration increase. It says that yearly subscription of $1,200 improves performance by boosting output from the motors by 20 to 24%, increasing torque, shaving around 0.8 to 0.9 seconds off of a 0.60 mile per hour acceleration when in dynamic drive mode. And the subscription doesn't come with any physical hardware upgrades. Instead, it simply unlocks the full capabilities already of the vehicle, indicating that Mercedes is intentionally limiting performance to later sell an optional extra. Acceleration increase is only available for the Mercedes EQ, EQE, and the EQ, EQS electric car models. What the heck, Tech Dre? So why, is this going, all, why is this even a thing? So first of all, keep in mind, this is for their electric cars, not for their normal gas-powered cars. But here's the thing. so. Mercedes and BMW has been known to try some of these things. Mercedes tried to charge uh, a couple years ago. They tried to charge $80 a year for access to Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, a feature that other car manufacturers include with the vehicles for free. And it was just recently that BMW was trying to charge for the seat warmers in your car. Yeah, $18 a month. $18 a month for a seat warmer, dude. The technology's already there. It's in the car, but we're going to hold it behind a paywall. And see, here's the thing. With everything nowadays, everything is a subscription, and you're being subscription to death. Everybody yeah, wants to. I know to my Adobe not just I'm looking at you. Everybody <laughs> not just wants to sell you something. But then they want to figure out a way to continue to not just get that one time sale, but residual to keep the money going. And when it comes to the car companies and car manufacturing, I hate to say it, Elon Musk, this is your fault because he started with the Tesla. Yeah. He, with the Tesla, the technology was there, like the autonomous driving, the autopilot feature. Uh, it used to be included. If you bought a vehicle that had the capabilities, it was included. And then they started holding it behind like a $10,000 paywall as wow. a license, as a software license. Hmm. And then, so you buy this Tesla, right? You decide, I want the autopilot features. You pay 10 grand for it. So now whatever you've paid for the car on top of that, you paid another 10 grand. 
But if I decide to trade that car in or if I sell it to somebody else, that autopilot feature does not transfer over to them because it was a license. So that car then loses that ability when it goes to the next person. And they get to charge it again. And, and they get to charge it again. And see, <laughs> here's crazy. my thing. That gives me reason to never purchase one of those vehicles. Yeah. If regular car manufacturers can put these technologies in cars like Android Auto and seat warmers and all that, and it's no extra cost, and the vehicles are cheaper to begin with, I think a lot of people buying luxury cars like a Mercedes or BMW, I think some people are going to start saying, you know, some of the regular auto manufacturers make some really nice vehicles, and why should I have to pay extra for what I've already paid for? I've paid for the actual car and, and hardware. And that's the key, Tech Dre. It's already there. It's already built into the system. All you're doing is paying it for it to be unlocked what you already have. So there goes in the problem. It's not like they're adding something on or something aftermarket is being put on there or added. It's already there. It's just, a, like you said, it's another way to build people for money. And until people vote with their wallet on stuff like this, I feel like this is going to be a trend that we deal with. Um, if, if people support it and it makes a lot of money and revenue, they're not going to stop doing it. They're just going to get involved yep. and do it even more. So It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I just thought that was pretty crazy. I knew it was a thing, but I hadn't really paid attention to it. But now it seems like more and more of these luxury high-end uh, car makers are starting to try to buy into it. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see who else maybe tries to copy off of this or what they try to charge for next. They might be charging for, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe they'll be charging for something crazy like a your radio to work for 12 months a year. I don't know, something crazy like that, but... Yeah, LG displays unveils thin speakers that can be hidden in car interiors. This is pretty cool, Tech Dre. They'll take up less space without compromising sound quality. LG says, and uh, this latest gadget is a super thin speaker speaker designed to be installed in car interiors while being uh, invisible. The thin actuator sound solution was developed with the global audio company. They didn't say which, as a replacement for traditional speakers in automobiles. This system excuses the usual voice calls, cones, and magnets found in most speakers instead of employing so-called film-like exciter technology. That's pretty interesting, uh, Tech Dredd. I've never heard of that. It says they can vibrate off display panels and various materials inside the car body to enable a rich 3D immersive sound experience, according to the company. With the panel's small dimensions, 5.9 times 3.5 inches, just a tenth of an inch thick, and 1.4 ounces in weight, they can be hidden inside the car interior parts like a dashboard, headliner, pillar, headrest, and that frees up space normally occupied by speakers without compromising sound quality. So this is pretty interesting tech, Dre, that they're able to basically minimize this speaker tech, take less room, but not compromising <clears throat> on sound quality. What's your take on this? I'm glad you're allowing me to give a take on it. So anyways... Um, this technology is pretty exciting. The same technology has been used already in some of Sony's OLED TV panels to keep the TV very thin, but give a, uh, a nice immersive sound off. When you think about this, a, um, a, a speaker panel that is basically six inch by three and a half inch. So if you were to think about a four by six picture, you go and have pictures printed at Walgreens, whatever, four by six picture. So roughly a speaker panel, the size of a four by six picture and a tenth of an inch, right? A tenth of an inch would probably be um, basically as thin as a, a cardboard box, the, the, the cardboard on a box. So imagine a picture size a uh, speaker, the thickness of cardboard that is basically can be laid out anywhere in the car. They can integrate it into the dashboard, the headrest, the pillars, pretty much anywhere in the car. You don't even know they're there. They hardly take up any space. And it sounds just as amazing as regular speakers. To me, um, that sounds it sounds very amazing and impressive. And then you don't even really know where the speakers are at in the vehicle because they blend in so well. 
And the really cool thing about this is the Consumer Electronics Show that will take place at the very beginning of 2023, they will be showcasing these speakers. So I look forward to not only seeing more of how they integrate these, but hearing their reviews and people talk about how good they actually sound because them being so small, you wonder, you're like, can it really put off the sound of traditional speakers? So um, I look forward, like I said, I look forward to hearing what um, the people say when they review them and see them in person. So let's keep on this whole trend of cars and technology tech, Dre. Uh, it came out this last week. There was articles talking about how Sony and Honda might stick a PS5 in their upcoming autonomous electric car. And this is basically to combat what Tesla did, I think, recently with one of their cars. They had the Model S and X vehicles with larger horizontal screens, which added the AMD RDNA 2 graphics chip. And they actually showed off a demo for a popular game that came out recently. Uh, and they also had a demo for Steam in August that had yet to be fulfilled. But the most notable game to release being the original TD Sonic Hedgehog, which you can play, I guess, in your Tesla. Uh, what do you think about them putting the PS5 in an autonomous uh, Honda vehicle? And and, and the fact that they're doing that, it says the piece of the puzzle is because they actually, the mobility part. If the vehicle is autonomous, you can enjoy that space in your car for the, you know, for the playing the game. And I guess because the car is driving itself, you can play the latest PlayStation 5 game. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. So a couple of things. Number one, there won't be a literal PS5 sitting somewhere in the car. They're talking about integrating uh, basically PS5 platform into the car. Yeah. So um, it'll be an electric vehicle. And then in the brains of the car, you'll have a PS5 integrated into it, meaning you won't see it, but it'll be part of the integrated system. And I believe the reason Sony and Honda are uh, teasing this right now is because Elon Musk recently said that the some of the vehicles that Tesla have have the performance of a PlayStation 5. They have not shown that performance, but they said they're it's as powerful. And uh, with Elon Musk being busy with Twitter and SpaceX and his boring company and Tesla, I, I just don't see that them really fulfilling much on uh, the promise of gaming in the Tesla anytime soon. And let's just be honest. If they fully unlock that ability, they're probably going to charge you the amount of a PS5 license just to use that hardware and technology in the car because we just talked about all the subscriptions. Uh, but Sony and Honda looking to do this, uh, I think it's pretty exciting. I think, number one, it's like, okay, we're going to snap back at Elon Musk. But it also looks like they're saying, hey, we're not going to try to match you on performance prowess of this car. We're going to push entertainment and the ability for a person to sit back and relax and enjoy uh, the ride in the car while being entertained, while they're not really thinking about driving it. And to be honest with you, um, that's pretty crazy, though, man. That's like some George Jetson type stuff. I mean, it's yeah, pretty crazy. It, I think that's the a thing that could be pretty soon. And, it, and it, well, the thing is, it's not that far away. We're talking three to three and a half years because they're saying, um, they're going to bring this. I mean, to if people a, are not distracted vehicle, enough on the road as it is. <laughs> well, they're saying they're going to bring this to a vehicle in early 2026 in North America. Wow. So we could see a vehicle with this technology in the U.S. by 2026. Now, you know how things are. Companies will say, you know, years or dates and then it gets pushed back. So it very well could get pushed back. Um, but the fact that they're kind of putting a year on it and saying what they're going to have. It's pretty exciting. Now, I'm going to say this. It's probably going to be very expensive, cost prohibitive, and most people probably won't be able to it's get gonna be one. It's going to be at least 100 grand, right? At least 100 grand. I mean, I don't know, because the thing is, they're not pushing performance. They're pushing entertainment technology. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, what it clocks in that when it becomes available. I mean, the PS5 kind of already looks like a modern car's dashboard anyway, so I think they could just put that sucker right in the dash. <laughs> It'll be right at home in somebody's vehicle, in my opinion. But it is interesting. It made me think about other cap- you know, possibilities, Tech Dre. What about a Nintendo Switch and a Nissan, maybe an Xbox in a, uh, you know, 
uh, a Ford, Ford or Chevy or something, you know, American-made cars. This is the American well, company. Ford would make sense because Microsoft has worked with Ford before with yeah. the sync in the vehicles. Could you imagine an Xbox in a Ford vehicle, you know, electronic vehicles? I think they're, they're doing electric trucks now. Um, and I think they're also supposed to be doing an electronic or not electronic, an electric sports car, too, with Ford. So. You know, to be honest with you, if they just integrated it in a vehicle somehow, just for the people in the back seat to have that type of immersive entertainment experience with a screen built in, even for like the passengers in the back, I think it'd be amazing. I mean, if you have a kid, they want to play some game on Xbox Game Pass or they want to play their Nintendo Switch or something like that. Something like they integrated. I just think Nissan worked. I mean, Nintendo, the Switch right? doesn't matter. It's it's handheld, right? It's yeah, already yeah. portable. But but I'm, something I'm like in a the, home I'm in console. the camp that I don't like the portable side of it. I like to play on the console. I play my Switch mainly docked. I do not play it. Yeah. You know, hand well, I think the whole idea but, of integrating a home console like experience into the car is that you also have the speaker system, which would give you an even more exp- a immersive experience in that vehicle. Plus, you're getting more like a home console experience. You're not doing a portable, you got a bigger screen. I mean, not much bigger than maybe a portable game system but it is bigger the resolution can be better the performance can be better all those things could play into you know your experience but anyways we'll move on this next article was a tech drake special domino's is building an all-electric delivery fleet tell us about this tech dre and this is pretty interesting tell us a little bit about this so domino's is getting ready to put um, more than 800 electric pizza delivery vehicles in the service. Um, and they're starting out with a hundred of them this month. And, um, they're using the compact Chevy bolt EV or electric vehicle. And, um, I guess what they're trying to do is, um, they're trying to go clean with their, their deliveries. They're trying to, I guess, have a better impact on the environment. And what's really funny about this is, is that as a lot of companies are giving up their in-house deliveries and using companies like Grubhub and Uber Eats and, you know, all these companies that do that, Domino's is doubling down on keeping deliveries in-house and providing vehicles to do so. So this is, this is going to be really interesting because they're talking about, um, it's going to have, um, they're going to have custom pizza warming oven doors. That um, looks pretty cool. I'm looking at the picture. It has like a warming compartment in the back of the vehicle where I guess it keeps the pizza super hot and warm. I think that is pretty cool that they would do something like that because it could. I mean, if you like Domino's, <laughs> Domino's is not the best pizza out there. But if you're a Domino's guy, um, getting it hot and fresh like that would be a pretty cool experience. And I, and I guess they could save money going all electric tech drain versus gas and emissions better for the environment all that kind of stuff i mean basically but well i I think they're trying to make a big splash too in the uh in the media that hey we're going green and you know especially when states like california have put it in the law that by a certain year uh you won't be able to sell uh gasoline powered vehicles they've already outlawed Hmm. uh gas powered lawnmowers and lawn equipment so you can see states like California where this is going to make total sense. But I just thought it was interesting that that uh, Domino's jumped out there and uh, went. Yeah, I actually talked to a guy going there. I talked to a guy who who uh, works in distribution for Domino's in Missouri, uh, where I work, and he was telling me that the reason why some Domino's locations taste better than others is because it's all about the sauce. Some of the locations, they use this concentrated sauce versus using natural tomato sauce or whatever. They get the concentrated stuff, which they add water to it. And I guess it kind of gives it volume or whatever, but it takes away from the taste. Because, you know, sometimes you've gotten pizza from Domino's or other pizza places where the sauce is like it's painted on there. It's so thin. That's the concentrated sauce. That's the reason why it's so thin like that. And when he told me that, I'm like, what makes complete sense? He said, not all franchises do it, but the ones who do, they're trying to save money. And he said, it's it's across the whole pizza industry tech, Dre, that they're doing this. So, yeah, it's cool that they're doing this. But, hey, I'd just rather you just make real pizza sauce, but it's not diluted down. It's not got, I mean, I would prefer to have that than <laughs> gas vehicles. I mean, or electric vehicles. That's just me. But anyways. Yeah. Well, 
So right. moving on, uh, FCC's more accurate broadband maps could lead to better coverage. It looks like that they are trying to fix that bugaboo. Um, so we're not, yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I wanted to talk about this because mm-hmm. we know that traditionally um, a lot of areas, uh, especially rural areas, have been horrible about getting broadband coverage. And there are some areas that aren't rural who don't seem to get the upgrades with coverage or speed with their ISPs that they need. And in some areas seem to constantly be getting upgraded. Well, if part of uh, of Biden's uh, $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law, there's $42.5 billion it's been set aside. Yeah. It's been earmarked uh, for broadband spending. But this time around, uh, the government's being a little more uh, choosy about how this money is being used. And with these broadband maps being updated, they have a better idea of uh, what areas are being underserved. And then they can have um, they can be a little more choosy about who they award or what areas they award this money to to be used to build out broadband. And um I, I think this is important because I think a lot of areas, I mean, even in the area we live in, um, sometimes there's not enough competition. Like Spectrum seems to be the only game in town where we live, whereas AT&T is around. But like, like where I live, um, AT&T is not competing with Spectrum. They're, they're not offering the same kind of speed, but, you know, maybe a couple miles away, AT&T is offering the same speeds or better speeds. So maybe um, this money can help to increase network speeds and get it in areas that, like we said, didn't have it before. I mean, what what is your thoughts on this? I mean, I know you deal with internet I mean, issues like I do. I mean, here, it was, so here's the thing. I, they're, they're installing fiber in our network right in our neighborhood right now. So that's nice. going to be available probably sometime next year. Um, so I think the situation here would be fine, but I think this probably... Tech Dre lends lends more to people who are in rural areas where they don't have a lot of choices, or like you said, the broadband there is not great. It's spotty. It's slow. And by them building up this infrastructure, it's going to help people in those less un- those more underserved communities or places where there it's hard to get broadband. Because kind of at this point, I guess they really want everyone, no matter where they live, to have access to broadband for obvious reasons, right? Because of the internet. Well, I mean, um, if you think about it, TV. <clears throat> has pretty much went broadband. Like oh, yeah. just a stream. There's yeah. more companies offering cable TV or traditional what, what and, would be unless TV. you live in Oregon, you have Street. the internet. <laughs> you know why I say yeah. Oregon, right? No. Because in Oregon, they typically don't have the same amount of broadband. People are different there. I watched a documentary recently on Netflix about Blockbuster. That's where the last Blockbuster is. And one of the reasons why it thrives there so well, Tech Dre, is they don't have the broadband internet structure there. They don't have the infrastructure there that they have here. So places like Blockbuster still, you know, a video store does still does well there because they don't have it. So that's what I'm saying. Unless you live somewhere like Oregon, (laughs) um, you probably, you know, you have access to decent internet. But there are places like that who are underserved who don't have that. So they can benefit from this. from this arrangement. So, all right, Tech Dre, it's time for your favorite part of the podcast, Yo Google. So, this is an article you earmarked for the for the pod. It says Google says Google and other Android manufacturers haven't patched security flaws. Millions of phones with Mali GPUs are at risk from exploits months after ARM X fixed the issue, Project Zero suggests. So what is this about and why has they why have they fixed or passed this yet? So um the Project Zero team flagged some problems with ARM uh with ARM design the ARM designs for GPUs back in the summer. ARM resolved the issues on their end back in July and August, but smartphone manufacturers <laughs> are not taking <laughs> these patches and fixing the vulnerabilities on their devices. And these companies uh, include Samsung, Zami, Oppo, and even Google themselves. And um, the Samsung and some of these other companies, I'm not surprised, but Google 
I am very surprised because usually, especially like with the Pixel devices, they're the first ones to get updates and patches and fixes. And um, for this to be several months down the road and for them to not um, patch or fix this problem, um, it's kind of concerning because, you know, it's always been one of them things to where um, there's always been security concerns on Android and, um, you know, like it or not. Well, um, go what's ahead. interesting is they're saying that research identified five new issues in June and July alone, promptly flagged them to arm. They said one of these issues led to a kernel memory corruption and one led to physical memory addresses being disclosed to user space. And remaining three led to physical page use after free condition. So this would enable an attacker to continue to read and write physical pages after they have been returned to the system. And they also noted that it would be possible for a hacker to gain full access to a system as they'd be able to bypass the permissions model on Android and gain broad access to users' data. Then the attacker could do so by forcing the kernel to reuse the aforementioned physical pages as page tables. So this sounds like a serious vulnerability issue, Tech Dre, well, and I'm and, really and surprised. Even, and this has been updated because yeah. as of Tuesday this week, yeah. it says those issues were not mentioned in any downstream security bulletins from Android manufacturers. Well, so, and, they're, and they're saying, they're also saying that the Samsung Galaxy S22 series devices and the company's Snapdragon-powered handsets aren't affected by these vulnerabilities. So evidently, Galaxy phones, you're safe. Everybody else, <laughs> not so much. So that's that's also interesting. That only it's almost like they only care about the most popular of Android models, Tech Dre. Or it sounds like popular. to me, like maybe like Samsung, their top of the line phones. They're they're gonna make sure that's what I'm saying. The most, the most popular ones on. are fine, but the ones these knockoff Androids, they don't care. Like, all right, man, you stuck. You spent three hundred dollars on a phone. Okay, you got what you got. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying, Tech Dre, it's just like they're leaving them out to dry. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll stay tuned for this. Um, I, I did think that was interesting. I know you posted, but the fact that they're they're not uh, they're not patching these security flaws is really interesting because Apple, in comparison, Apple's pretty much on top of these type of vulnerability things, right? Don't they patch stuff? Pretty quickly. I mean, they get out patches, they get out updates pretty quick when there's a yeah, vulnerability. Yeah, they um. You know, I mean, like it or not, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but that's also why they have not opened up their app store and they don't allow outside loading. And there's benefits both directions. There's pros and cons both directions. Uh, but truly, when everything has to run through an app store where it's been checked for security flaws and issues or even at a hardware level, if, if they find some, they're usually patching it immediately. And to be honest with you, I'm very surprised because usually... Google with their own stuff is usually pretty good about this. It doesn't surprise me that a third-party manufacturer like Sony and Oppo and some of the Samsung, I mean, Oppo and some of the others, but I'm really surprised that Google would not jump and have this done by now. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So now, Tech Dre, we get to change gears and talk a little gaming tech on the podcast. And I thought this was pretty cool, Tech Dre. Uh, they're reporting that Hyperkin is remaking the Xbox 360 controller, the GOAT, for modern consoles and PC. The only caveat about this, and they're adding the share, share button, just like on the newer Xbox One and Series X controllers. They're adding that share button. Actually, it wasn't on the Xbox One. It was on the Series X controllers. Uh, but they're adding that, but it's strictly a wire controller. So they had me... At Xbox 360, and they lost me at wire controller. What do you think about this tech, Drake? Because we all know that this is the GOAT. Is it the GOAT? Yes, I it's don't the GOAT. know if I, I don't know if I can agree yeah, with I, that, I but you, I will say this. I, <laughs> I knew you were gonna say, say that. I just had to throw it out there though. I will say this. Um, it is one of my favorite controllers, and as far as Xboxes go, this was the best Xbox controller. I agree. I agree with that. I, um, that's a fair. That's a fair. A that fair much point. I'll say. I, I'm gonna tell you something. Um, when the Xbox One came out, I, 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 I've said it day one. I, its controller was okay. I thought it was, it was okay. And then technologically, there might have been some upgrades um, that was superior to the 360 controller. But the actual ergonomic feel and shape of the 360 controller was just so much better. 
than the Xbox One and Series controllers. And I'm going to be honest with you. I liked the colored A, uh, X, uh, B, and Y buttons. I mean, I'm sorry. I liked it. Not only did you have a letter, but you had a color to coincide uh, with those buttons. Um, I like the the 3D feel of the Xbox logo on it. It to me, it was just a superior controller. Well, and the early render of the X9 controller in the original Xbox 360 white, but it all, this controller is also going to come in black, pink, and red. Uh, might have to get it in black, but. It's cool. I mean, like I said, the only thing, the only negative thing I can say, Tech Dre, is the fact it's wired in the twenty. You know, in two thousand twenty-two, who 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 wants a wired controller anymore? I'm gonna tell you um, something. But I'll probably Microsoft, get this just for nostalgia. That's just how powerful nostalgia is. And you know what? I, I, something that really surprises me is that Microsoft all about is all about backwards compatibility and preserving gaming. Um, why don't they preserve controllers? Why don't they don't release know. an well, updated version of the 360 controller? It would be cool. Series but I don't. I think that Microsoft they don't want you to buy the old controller. They want you to buy. They want to push their new tech, right? They want to push the Pro controller. They want to hey, push their more expensive controllers. Push, push the Series tech inside of a 360 shape controller. I would be, dude. I would be. T- I would buy that. I'm just saying. One a wireless 360 controller for the Series X. I would buy that right away. To me, it's still the Go controller. The only controller I probably liked more than that, Tech Dre, was probably the original NES controller, which was just a square, simplified. You know, you just had the D-pad. You had the A and B button, select start. It was the most simple controller. And, it, you know, even though gaming was very hard back then, Tech Dre, you remember how hard games were on the original NES. It was very simple. Anybody could yep. pick it up and play it. It was easy to play but probably impossible to master most games back then because of the controls and stuff. But that controller at the time was perfect. Now, as a grown man with bigger hands, older, blah, 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 I probably wouldn't feel the same about it. But the 360 controller today, I think it still holds up, in my opinion. But okay, that's just me. Anyways, so moving on, we're going to talk about Microsoft is trying to Push the Activision deal through by meaning Sony has more exclusives and better quality games. Y'all already know I didn't post this, right? Y'all already know this is a Tech Dre thing. <laughs> this is not Mel Weezy saying this, but it is interesting, Tech Dre, that they're admitting that. They're saying uh, one of the quotes here uh, mentions, in addition to being a dominant console provider, Sony is also a powerful game publisher. Microsoft wrote in response to the CMA. Sony is roughly the equivalent in size to Activision, nearly double the size of Microsoft's game and publishing business. The company added that there are over 280 first and third party titles on PlayStation in 2021, nearly five times as many as Xbox. So while I I can't deny numbers are numbers, facts are facts, uh, why is Sony fighting so hard? to stop this deal, Tech Dre. They've got so many exclusives, and we don't have to even mention specific games. This is just a broad conversation about it. But why are they trying so hard tooth and nail with this being said? Because you're going to agree to this, so why are they so afraid that they are so far ahead at this point? Well, a couple things. I mean, one that's continuously come up is, is the Call of Duty franchise, whether you play it or not. Yeah, it is a franchise that makes billions of dollars, and like I said, billions. It makes billions right, of right, dollars right, right. every year. And Microsoft, when they first were trying to push the Activision deal through, uh, they said that you know some people on Sony's platforms didn't have to worry. They had no intentions of taking Call of Duty away from Sony. But then it comes out now that Microsoft offered a 10-year deal to keep it on Sony platform. So the truth of the matter has come out that, yeah, they're going to keep it there for now, but they never intended to keep it there forever. And the fact that they already own tons of uh, adult first-person shooters by the last deal, the ZeniMax deal, where they got ID software and Bethesda, they would basically corner the market for adult first-person I don't care about any of that stuff. I still think that this is Sony. This is a person Here's who the has other thing. XX Here's the other riches thing. 
and they're complaining the like they're in the last riches? place. First yes, of all, Sony, Sony as a whole, the whole company, including their movie studio division and everything else, isn't even worth near what Microsoft is worth, and nor do they have the money to throw around and make 60-something billion dollar purchases like Activision. It, it even mentions that Sony as a whole is about as big as Activision. So when Microsoft buys Activision, it's like buying Sony's whole kit and caboodle and adding it to what they already have. Sony's I don't think it's, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison, but Sony, I get since the original PlayStation has started with studios and worked on creating original franchises, this is something that's taking them over 20 years, probably closer to 30 years to get where they're at. Microsoft doesn't want to take the time to put out high quality games to start new franchises. They just want to go buy them. Hey, we ain't got time. We're just going to go buy it. We're going to brute force the market to get our way in there because we have the money. We don't have the skills or the know-how or the the patience to put into stuff. We're just going to brute force our way into the market. And they're claiming that the reason why they really need to buy Activision is that they don't really have a presence in mobile gaming and that Apple and Google are well, basically running ripshot. That, that would, this would that would them... actually be, but that would actually be true, Tech Dre. They haven't had a successful mobile game yet, and I don't. We don't have to even mention titles, but still, they have not been successful in that market. So I, they're not lying when they say that they have not had a. Not Nintendo's had mobile hits. I don't know that Sony has, but neither has Xbox at this point. So I get that. They're to me, what they're saying is not lies. I don't. I don't see the problem with anything that they've said to, to, to date. What they're saying is all factual. Now, you can, uh, you can go back worried, and forth. Are they worried that if they don't have a mobile presence, they are not going to be able to make money off gaming? I mean, there's no, still the no, but, 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 it's, but it's definitely, I think what they see is it's a weakness that they can shore up. Candy Crush is one of the biggest games in the world, mobile wise, and it's owned by Activision. So, what I, I see. What I see is Microsoft wanting to dominate all avenues. They want to dominate PC, console, and mobile. I mean, you play to win the game, right? I mean, you don't play the game to They're lose not playing to win. Second. They're paying to win. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, it's a controversial thing. I'll uh, say this. I don't, at the end of the day, I don't really I'll care. I'll say this much. Because, go ahead. Go ahead, Tech Drake. Go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, I say this much. Um, it's interesting that Microsoft is saying these things because it wasn't long ago they wouldn't say that. Phil Spencer, when the uh, Series X was getting ready to come out, he said he felt like they had, uh, you know, very great franchises and, um, you know, good quality. And they had all these exclusives in the works that were going to be coming out, Halo Infinite being one of them. Um, but they've had nothing but problems. I think here's, here's, here's where I'm coming from. I feel like no matter what Microsoft does, no matter how much money they throw, if they don't take the time and have the patience to make quality, it doesn't matter how much they buy. They're going to still keep having the same problems irregardless. Okay. All right. I can take that. It is a quality control thing. I get it. Now, one of the cool things that came out of all this tech, Dre, is that we now have got a window or at least a tentative release date for the PS6. Uh, it looks like it's seemingly been leaked in these official documents with this ongoing saga of Xbox trying to acquire Activision Blizzard. And it looks like uh, it's pointing, it's pointing to, it's not been confirmed, but it's been kind of somewhat confirmed that we won't see a PS6 to at least 2028. It says Microsoft has offered to continue making Activision's games available on PlayStation only until 2027, by the time SIE has launched the next generation of PlayStation consoles. So that's pretty interesting. So it looks like at the very earliest, it'll be late. It says holiday or late 2027 or at the latest 2020, 2028 or 2029. I think that probably 2028 is probably more likely, but maybe, maybe 2027. Because I'm going to be honest with you. 2021, so. Yeah, I would say um, 
I'm going to lean more towards holiday 2027. Yeah, because and, the, the PS5 just came out in 2020, right? November yes, 2020. Sony, seven years. Sony has typically ran their generations of consoles. Well, they, they run them for 10 years, but they usually come out with the next gen console about seven years into a cycle. They usually and you come think out we'll see a, a PS5 Pro even before that? Yeah. I, I, I don't see microsoft or sony not coming with a mid-generation upgrade like they did last gen i i think it's gonna happen sony sony every generation has done a slim console and uh last generation they did a pro uh microsoft did multiple revisions last generation they came out with the xbox one s which was uh slimmer and uh, added some other capabilities, a little more powerful than the original Xbox One. Then they came out with the One X. Um, so I, I see both companies coming out with uh, mid-generational upgrades for the current consoles. Um, but this is interesting because Microsoft is basically willing to have Activision games on PS5, but they're going to yank them all just before the next generation of consoles, which would be strategic to try to hurt the sales of the next generation PlayStation console. I mean, turnabout is fair play. I don't see the problem. I really don't. I mean, honestly, I don't really see the problem. I don't really I don't see, see how it's a turnabout of fair play because I, I don't recall Sony buying up some studios and then yanking those games from Microsoft. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, we we will just uh, we will just agree to disagree on that. But I just thought it was interesting that they're already talking about the next generation. We're only two years into but this I, generation. I can tell you so what I can tell you. Interesting what, that they're already talking about the next. one. Well, l- let me say this. L- let me let me push this out there. What I what you what you are going to see though is you're going to see Sony keep doing what they're doing right now, buying up smaller studios and building their arsenal and starting to continue to make first-party games for this generation, but also next generation. That's why the Bungie deal was so big to them because Bungie has paved the way for live-action games on console and the ability to have a stable (laughs) online experience. And um, Sony's going to take this model to use on other games and uh, with what Microsoft is doing, they may really need to double down on this. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I also feel like in the event that this Activision deal doesn't go through, uh, the battle between uh, Microsoft and Sony is really going to heat up this generation. I think I, right I, now I think Microsoft that, is that I pretty totally, good. What you just said, I totally agree with. I think that this is going to mean war. If they... Block this deal, and that's looking like there's a good chance this deal might not fall, might not go through. If it falls through, I think that it's going to be seen as an act of war, and they're going to come. They're going to have to come. They're going to come after them. And you said yourself, Tech Dre, Microsoft is the liquid. You know, they're a more rich company. They have much more money to play with to do things. I just think it could get ugly. Um. Not that it really matters to me personally, well, but I, it on can one get really hand, interesting. On one hand, I, I kind of hope this happens because this could very well mean Microsoft slashing prices of consoles. It could very well mean them running uh, crazy deals on Game Pass. And who benefits from this type of things? We do. Well, the gamers, yeah. The, and then it would cause Sony to react and do some things too. Whenever there's a heated battle between uh, two companies like Microsoft and Sony in this gaming sector, it basically translates to the gamers winning out. They're going to benefit from what these two companies have to do to battle against each other. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. All right, guys. So it is time for listener emails from StarTech at PM.me. If you guys want to have your email or comments or feedback right on the podcast, you can email us at snarftech at PM. Dot me at snarftech at pm.me. So we got a question from my boy Omar in California. He writes, hello, gentlemen. Just want to tell you that you all are doing a great job on the podcast. Thanks, Omar. Question for the pod. What are your top three favorite gadgets you own? And what are the top three gadgets you'd like to own next? 
Tech Dre, why don't you give us your top three gadgets to own and the ones you want to own next first? So, I mean, currently, uh, my iPhone. My phone is what's in my pocket. It's what's with me every day. Um, it's how I see my kids on you know video conferencing, FaceTime when I'm at work. It's how I take pictures. It's how I communicate. Um, it's how I surf the net. It's, I mean, it's there. It's in your pocket. It goes everywhere with you. And I think that would probably be the case with most people. Their phone is probably their their number one top gadget. But going down from there, I'm going to say my M1 iPad Pro is my next top gadget that I have because um, it's so versatile. I mean, you think about tablets have basically become that in-between gadget that does so many things and is so close to being like an actual PC or computer that you really don't touch your computer that much anymore for most processes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm using this thing for email. I'm using it for surfing the web. I'm using it for watching shows. Uh, I'm using it for, for video editing. I'm using it for, you know, um, reading magazines. I'm using it for studying materials. I'm even typing up documents on here. So it's a device that goes with me everywhere. Um, it's a device that I, it's lightweight. I can sit in bed, sit on the couch and use it. So it's, it's a device that would probably be very hard um, to not have. You know, once you're used to using stuff like this, it's pretty much integrated into you. Then my other top gadget, my third one is my Steam Deck, and I'll explain why. Um, since the Steam Deck has come out, um, and I've got one and been playing with it, the fact that I can play some of the top games that are on console and PC on the go i can take them with me and play them uh as if i'm carrying a switch that's capable of playing these games it's amazing it's it's a experience that i'm loving and i'm looking forward to not only seeing the next iteration of the steam deck i'm also looking forward to seeing the competition basically steam has said look we're going to go create a whole nother sector or genre of gaming and hopefully other companies follow suit and make something similar. And um, I'm hoping this puts pressure on Nintendo uh, to come out with a a, a uh, Switch that is capable of playing current-gen games. They probably won't because they always go underpowered and off-the-shelf materials. But it would be cool to see Nintendo for once jump out there and really push what uh, what their system is capable of. And moving on... Uh, what I would like my next three gadgets to be, and this isn't immediate future. It ain't even necessarily right away, but this mention of this Honda and Sony collaboration with the PS5 integrated into the vehicle, and not just the PS5, but entertainment features in general, it sounds like an amazing vehicle uh, that if I was sitting in a parking lot waiting on my wife in target or somewhere i i wouldn't even wouldn't even matter how long she takes i'd be fully entertained watching a movie or playing a game she could go in there and spend all day as far as i'm concerned so i think um something like that uh i definitely would be into that that's kind of a dream gadget because who knows what it's going to cost it might be priced in a range that's not affordable for me but it is does sound like something i i would probably want um the next uh, gadget that I was going to mention was the Razor Edge 5G. If you don't remember some episodes back, I talked about Razor coming out with a handheld uh, game system that not only is capable of using streaming services like xCloud or uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now, uh, but it also has the ability to play games directly on it, be able to output to a TV, and it's 5G capable, which means... You don't need a Wi-Fi source. It will connect to Wi-Fi, but you don't need a Wi-Fi source. When this thing comes out, if it reviews very well, I will be extremely tempted to purchase one of them. Now, the third gadget that I don't currently own that I would like to have is a 4K ultra short throw projector. And for those of you not familiar with what they are, it's a projector um, just like, you know, people have in, uh, in offices or businesses where they project uh, image or video 
onto a screen, an ultra short throw um, is basically within 12 to 18 inches of the wall and can project an image up to 150 inches. So imagine having a 150 inch TV in your home without it actually being a TV and you're projecting this on the wall in 4K and it uses laser. So it's very, very bright and uh, puts out a very amazing picture. Thing is, they're not cheap. So I don't have one right now, uh, but I have noticed them around this time of year in Black Friday right now that they are coming down and have been at some pretty reasonable prices. I'm not getting one yet, but I probably will get one in the near future. Okay, so those are my next tech, three right? gadgets. All right, all right. So now I get to talk about my top three tech gadgets that I own that I use pretty much on a regular basis. Uh, two of mine's are just like yours, Tech Raven. My number one was my iPhone 13 Pro Max, mainly because, like you said, it, just the practicality, how much I do on there. I, I write notes for the podcast, phone calls, surf the web, look up articles, you know, work on public speeches, all kinds of stuff. My phone is just so good for multimedia. I mean, pretty much everything I need to do. And I can play games on there and I can do other things, you know, watch video, whatever. High resolution. Game on your phone. Game on your yeah. phone. I mean, so it's just, it's really <laughs> super practical. I don't know what I would do without my phone these days. So that's definitely my tech, top number one tech gadget I own. Probably number two tech drain five years ago, three, four years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but my Apple Watch, it, I wear it every day. It measures my steps, it, my heart rate. It tells me when to get up from my desk at work to kind of get exercise to get moving. You know, I can control my, uh, you know, volume on my, uh, my music for my phone. I can receive calls. It's just so cool how much you can do with the with the Apple Watch. Um, I don't know what I've, I don't know what my life would have been like. I don't know what my life was with, without it. You know what I mean? Like now it's so integrated into my everyday life that I use it so much. When I don't wear it, I feel naked, right? You know, you feel like if you don't have your phone, if you don't have certain devices you use, I feel naked without my Apple Watch. That's just how essential it is to me now as far as having it on me. Um, I also, number three was identical to yours also was a Steam Deck. Um, it's pretty much the coolest piece, piece of tech I have right now. Um, it's the most powerful handheld I've ever seen. It's huge. <laughs> And the screen resolution is just beautiful. Um, and it's it's just a cool piece of tech, honestly. Um, honorable mention to my Logitech G Cloud. It's a really cool device, but it's not nearly as cool and as impressive as the Steam Deck. Uh, but there's some things I like, pros and cons about that, too, I also like. But the Steam Deck, definitely, if I go on a road trip or go somewhere, it's going with me. Um, the next three gadgets yep. I'm really looking forward to, Tech Trey. Now, this is different from you. I don't have VR. I know you have the original PSVR and you have the Quest uh, VR. I don't have either one. So my next three gadgets I really want is a PSVR 2 since I don't have a VR. It's going to be my, my, um, you know, my, my, <clears throat> I guess, you know, getting into stepping my foot into the VR world or realm, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I also want my number two gadget I really want, Tech Dre, is kind of a, Harken back to what I just talked about. I want the new Apple Watch Ultra. I think you just got that tech very recently, right? Correct. What do you think about it versus the your old Apple Watch? What do you think it's like a huge leap forward or is it just a cooler, bigger watch? <laughs> yes, uh, it is a huge leap forward. That's what uh, I want. It is a huge leap forward uh, as far as uh sturdiness the ability it's more rugged but not only that just some of the features to be able to uh go diving and wear the watch when i was on vacation i actually wore it in the pool when i was on vacation as soon as you go underwater not only does this thing tell you how many feet you're underwater it even tells you the temperature of the water at the time that's pretty um, cool so there's there's a lot of new features integrated into this and to be honest with you i haven't had a chance to um, use it and play with it like I would like to because I'm still using my Series 4 watch to where to work. I've kind of been trying to keep my, my Apple Watch Ultra as new as possible. Um, and like you, had had there been a fourth uh, gadget instead of saying my top three, four, but my Apple Watch probably would have been on there because I do wear it and use it every day uh, quite a bit. 
Um, the Apple Watch Ultra, um, I'm loving it. It had it been a little bit more expensive, I probably would. It was literally on that tipping point of I didn't know if I was going to get it, but I went ahead and got it because at the time um, I was able to cash in some of my American Express points to get an Apple gift card. But um, nice. so far, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think the the features that are on it, um, def, definitely, uh, if you're a techie and you're into um, just tech in general and having uh, the ability to use it for some of the things that's out there, um, you would definitely love it. Now, just the people who just like an Apple Watch for answering calls, uh, look at the weather at the time. Um, the regular Apple Watches are still very good devices um, for the average person. I would say the Apple Watch Ultra isn't for everybody. Okay. Um, okay. Well, thanks, Tech Dre. I'm still talking about my next three gadgets, but thanks. Well, you asked. So, well, I yeah, mean, I, asked, I asked just like a short overview because I, I was trying to think of what the upgrade, since I don't have it yet, I don't know all. I knew you could do the dive in the water. I kind of couldn't think of some of the other features. But number three on my next tech gadget I'd like to own, Omar, since you asked nicely, um, I would like a Switch Pro. I know it's not a thing yet, but we we know it's it's like the worst kept secret in the, the industry right now. We know the Nintendo Switch Pro is going to happen, but it hasn't been formally announced yet or officially announced. But we know it's coming sooner than later because the, the Switch is getting pretty old. I think it's what five five and a half years into its life cycle now. Um, so we know it's coming, and when it does get announced, I'll probably get one, and I'll probably make my original Switch. Something I just take to work, you know, so I can have something to game on my lunch break or whatever when I feel like gaming, I guess. But um, yeah, definitely Switch Pro. So that's my next three gadgets. I like I like the uh, the PSVR two, Apple Watch Ultra, and the Switch Pro. So that's it for me. And I did want to mention Tech Dre at the end of the show. I know you know we had some famous people that we kind of knew, you know, kind of knew in passing. Or looked up to growing up, like, you know, Jason David Frank, the Green Power Ranger, he died this past week. Um, I think we saw him at an event for Wizard World Comic Con. Didn't meet him, but kind of knew him from afar. Seemed like a pretty actually, cool cool guy from actually, what, what I, what I on, saw. So I was going to say on the red carpet, we didn't talk to him, but we did talk well, to saw him. He saw us, though, <laughs> apparently. So, but we did talk to him at Comic Con because he took a picture of you interviewing Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, and you got a chance to talk to him and thank him for posting that picture. So you you actually did talk to him, and um, he was very down to earth and very nice. Um, but there were some other famous people we met that weren't nice. So the fact that he was yeah. a very down to earth, really nice guy uh, goes. What, what do they what do they say? Don't meet your heroes. And he was actually really the nicest. Him and Lou Ferrigno, nicest down to earth guys you'll meet. Uh, really cool guys. But like you said, not everybody is so gracious or professional or is nice. You know, they said don't meet your heroes for that reason. But uh, he was really cool. And then Kevin Conroy, the Batman, he passed away. Uh, he was the voice of the animated Batman and. Uh, he was really, really cool. I mean, for, well, what he did, he was really good oh, at what he did. He, did. A, he was basically like Mark Hamill doing the Joker. I mean, he was awesome. He was iconic as far as yeah. voice acting, Batman. Exactly. Also, which was pretty cool. Um, so it was kind of sad to hear about that. Um, but I just think that we're going to probably see a lot more of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just the way of the way things are going today, today these days. But, uh, Definitely sad to hear those things. Um, I don't have a whole lot of opinions about that, but yeah, definitely he was a cool Batman. He he, the voice of Batman was really cool and stuff. And yeah, I mean, what could you say? The dude was a consummate professional. He had that voice, that gravitas he added to the character, which was pretty cool. But anyways, that's it. Into the podcast, Tech Drain. Do you have any shout outs? Anything you want to mention or say before we close out the pod? No, I, I think I pretty much mentioned everything <laughs> I want to mention. Um, I do want to shout out, you know, I mean, very vanilla, just the people who are listening. We've been getting feedback. Uh, AK-47 basically said that um, he's enjoying uh, Snark uh, yeah, he's really more than he it. did Geekly Podcast. So that, I mean, that means a lot. 
to hear that people are are not only listening to the show, uh, but really enjoying it. And um, also, uh, just like we had listener questions this week, anybody listening, if you got any questions or uh, anything you want to throw at us to tackle, uh, we're here for it. Yep. And what's that email address, Tech Dre? <laughs> it's uh, uh, at com. No, it's snarftech. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Dot me. M-E-L. I was actually joking about giving your personal email. But <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't want I'm, to do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways, I guys, kid, kid. thanks for listening to the podcast. Go get you some tech. Have a great weekend, guys. Snarf tech out. Snarf.